What's going on, Wolfpack Nation? Hope everybody's doing well and hope everybody's having a great week so far and hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Uh, we got uh, Michael and Layton here with Tough to Talk here discussing more of a fun topic today. I know that a couple of weeks ago, if not maybe a month or two ago during the offseason, uh, there was actually a list that was getting put out in terms of listing the top 14 ACC football coaches in terms of ranking them. And I know that a lot of state fans, including myself, are very shocked to see Coach Dave Doran actually in like the nine, ten, like like the middle to lower end uh, in the ranking, and it was definitely shocking to say the least. So I figured that hey, what what better time when when bringing on Michael than to hear his thoughts in terms of ranking them, and then I'm actually going to sit here and react with you guys to the list that he puts together. So uh, with that being said, before we get started, if you, if you uh, don't mind, please make sure to hit that subscribe button as it really helps support us and the channel. Please uh, like this video and check out all of our other great NC State content if you haven't already. And also, too, make sure to follow us at Tuffy Talk Now on Twitter or Instagram. So with that being said, Michael, so uh, I, I guess we got to just go ahead and jump right into it. So who do you have at number 14? And then we'll head to one. So we'll start with 14. Who you got? Yeah. So uh, we, are, we are recording this on Monday, September 6th. So we've had week one in the books that may influence my list. A little bit here, but at four, slightly, yeah. At fourteen, I have Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I, I feel like he, he had a lot of hype coming in. He's kind of a younger guy, but that was like, you know, he's been there. I think this is his third year, third or fourth year. It kind of mm-hmm. really seems he hasn't done much when it seemed like there was a lot of hype for him coming in, and. Um, with Jeff Sims, everybody was saying their quarterback, Jeff Sims, is going to be great. And really, we haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah. You know, this week they just lost uh, to Northern Illinois. Uh, it's a tough loss. <laughs> so that, that's probably why I have him last right now at 14. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, I think that in terms of Georgia tech, obviously it's tough to, you know, obviously they have big shoes to fill for sure uh, for any coach that would replace uh, Georgia tech, but also to the overall, their team is still really young. So I definitely don't see by any means this necessarily putting Jeff Collins in the hot seat yet, No, but he's definitely close, but he's definitely close. So just, he he needs to pick it up. Let's put it that way. So, um, but, but, you know, I mean, Hey, he even, you know, has had overall great recruiting classes, even stole one, running back from us and Jemias Griffin, which, you know, obviously we're not too upset about, but you know, definitely stung a little bit since he was originally committed to us. But yeah, I mean, definitely unproven, uh, definitely seems to be pressing a lot of buttons throughout the ACC. I know he's pissed off state fans yeah. a couple of times, especially last year, but uh, um, yeah, so I, I definitely am not too shocked about that, especially again, after losing week one in Northern Illinois, it definitely doesn't seem like he had his guys prepared. Yeah. So I think he may get an extra year or two just because he's changing the way that program has always been run from triple option to yeah. totally a spread option or yeah, basically spread option that they're running. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think he's on the yeah. hot seat at all. I just don't think he's no. really done what they would hope he could have accomplished no. by now. Not by now. Yeah. So number 13, well, who you got? I got Dino Babers at Syracuse at 13. Uh, I, it's tough. Obviously, Syracuse is a heavy basketball school, so any coach going in there is going to have a tough time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, but I, I feel like he was also one when he got hired that 
had a lot of hype too, saying, I mean, Syracuse has had some decent players in the past. Um, they did, he did um, have that, they beat Clemson that one year, that one big upset. Um, but I mean, they've been consistently bottom two in the ACC in the last couple of years. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and I'm actually, and, and now that you actually bring up Dean Babers, I'm actually surprised that he's not last just because of the fact that he is truly on the hot seat and truly, I, I, actually, you know, I, I guess I do kind of understand the why maybe put him at 13 because he, he has had signs of, of greatness, right. uh, you know, obviously having a 10 win season, uh, beating, uh, upsetting Clemson in 2017, which was a huge win. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just uh, unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to do much since. And it just definitely seemed like that basically Clemson, I mean, Syracuse had a great quarterback that, you know, basically rode off of. And, you know, now you're kind of seeing without that, that he's definitely struggling. But it, it, it's, it's again, just like you said, Syracuse is a basketball school. So yeah. I just don't know if, if Syracuse athletics will ever truly invest enough in football to really make them dominant or, or, or really competitive in the ACC. But, you know, who knows? You know, we'll see. I mean, they, they paid, they, they gave Dino Babers a pretty nice sizable yeah. contract extension back in 2018. So, I mean, you know, who knows, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you that between Dino and G, uh, Jeff, that bottom two. For sure. Yeah. So, so who you got number 12, 12, um, this one, I have Scott Satterfield at twelve, which maybe I don't I don't know what your reaction there is going to be, but I feel like he, hmm. um, I, I just I have him there <laughs> just because I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before he had that one quote where he said he picked Louisville because it's close to the airport, and that like if the NC State job came open or something, he basically said he would leave Louisville like immediately. He had no like really loyalty yeah. to the school, which was kind of weird because they, he, they had just hired him recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's done terrible on the field. It just, um, no. it, it doesn't feel like he's all laying at Louisville kind of looking to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, cause it, it's definitely one of those things that he, it's definitely a, one of those things like when I kind of think of like Eli Drinkwitz kind of situation where Eli, right. he went to App State to be the head coach and he was like, oh, no, like, you know, I didn't come here just to puddle jump. I came here to build a program right. and to be committed to App State. And then not even a couple months later, he jumps ship and goes to Missouri. And it's and which I mean, I get because I mean, you got to ride the wave and if somebody's offering a lot of money, I get it. But with Scott Satterfield, I feel like that you're already competing in the ACC. You're not like you you're competing in a, in a program that has a solid football program with, I mean, obviously just coming off of Lamar Jackson. And um, so, you know, it's not like, it's not like this is a a crap job. It's a solid job and a great market and a great area. And so I don't really understand necessarily why he's trying to jump. Uh, But I mean, he has his reasons, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that, but in terms of like actual as a coach, I don't think that we've seen enough yet from him to necessarily judge him fully as a coach. Right. But I understand that in terms of when it comes to Louisville, there's definitely some missing pieces there yeah. for sure. I agree with on that. So mm-hmm. before we continue, I want to take a quick second to tell you about our sponsor, Flatlands Jessup Insurance Group that has your whole world covered with agents in five offices throughout Eastern North Carolina to help you decide how much coverage you need. Offering policies for home and auto, 
recreational vehicles, commercial, crop, health, life, and employee benefits. They are able to combine options to find a comprehensive solution that works for you. Flatlands Jessup protects the things you love so you can spend less time wearing and more time enjoying them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Flatlands Jessup. You can also visit their webpage at www.flatlandsjessup.com. So please make sure to go and check them out. So, all right, number 11, who you got? 11, I have Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. Um, Ooh. Obviously, he had a big win Friday night against UNC, but he's, I think, the name, at least Power 5 conference, that has come up the most as he'll be the first Power 5 coach to be fired this year. Um, obviously, things may change a little bit. Virginia Tech looked pretty good. Friday night against UNC. Um, yeah. But overall, his whole tenure has not been good at Virginia Tech. No. Well, and, 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 you know, if we had Macon on here, I know that he would definitely mention it because he's mentioned a couple different times in terms of how it's it's been clearly obvious to from from talking to multiple Virginia Tech fans that it's clear that they're not happy with what Justin Fuente has done so far, taking over for, for a legend in uh, Frank Yeah, Beamer. that's always hard to and, do. But – but yeah, again, it's it's the same thing for you know like whoever's going to replace Coach Bowden, whoever's going to replace like in basketball like a Coach K or Roy Williams. It's like you know, at the end of the day, that to expect the same or better from from the next coach is just unreasonable. But definitely, I, I think that with Fuente, you, one of the biggest things which I actually think is kind of starting to kind of put a lot more pressure on him is really the increase in Bronco Mendenhall and Virginia, which I know that we'll probably bring up, and because I mean they're now a solid football program mm-hmm. yeah. solid and i mean they beat virginia tech for the first time in many years uh, a couple years ago and and so i mean i think the last thing virginia tech virginia tech fans want especially when they are huge football fans i mean even though basketball program is solid they are about they are football oh, yeah. all the Definitely. way the last thing they want to do is fall behind or even fall even with virginia they always want to stay ahead period so uh i definitely think that the Virginia Tech game that they looked good, but I also think that honestly, you know, it's a quote that uh, Russell Westbrook gave a reporter a hard time on. But I truly do think that it was more of UNC losing the game rather than was Virginia Tech winning the game. Uh, yeah. I just feel like that it was because I mean, first quarter Virginia Tech looked great, but then after that, you know, wasn't looking yeah. as as good, and so they kind of fell off. And there was multiple different opportunities for UNC to take advantage, and so. You know, but again, hey, big win. He found a way to win, which is awesome. It's definitely going to at least get him another year or two. I feel like just that win by itself, uh, in my opinion. But you know, it, it will. It's a long season, yeah. so yeah, it could lose <laughs> but, the rest of the games, and then who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if if he doesn't make it to a bowl game, we might have to have a conversation. Yeah, let's put it that way. I could. Yeah, I would say if they don't make it to a bowl game this year, if they don't, especially if they don't beat Virginia. And they don't make a bull game. I think he'll definitely be gone. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, that would be tough. But yeah. So anyway. So who you got next? What what number are we on now? Ten. We're on ten. That's right. So what we got? Ten. I have Mike Norvell at Florida State. Um, I will say mm-hmm. he's probably got um the most room to move up the list very quickly. Obviously, Florida State has been a powerhouse program in the ACC and in uh, college football nationally too. They have the, you know, Mm -hmm. they have the resources to be a top, top five team every year. Um, 
They played obviously. Oh, yeah. They played well um, Sunday night against Notre Dame. They ended up losing in overtime, but uh, mm-hmm. they looked pretty good there. Um, so I have him at ten, but he's yeah. definitely one that's trending up, where the bottom four were probably trending down. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, because you know, Mike, he's also a guy that basically got brought in from Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and you know, definitely showed a lot of promise. But then they. It's still a shot. It's not necessarily by any means that he's proven and was and and you know he's going to translate right on over to Florida State and win. Now I do think that he was smart and definitely huge. You know, hats off to him on getting a guy like Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, who is I mean he would. I think I saw he finished like sixth or seventh in the Heisman voting in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. uh, at UCF during his, during yeah. one of his last years at UCF, and so. He's a great talent, uh, for sure, and and he looked it yesterday as well. He was, I mean, he's a great player, and he's a guy that can be a leader, and he's a guy that also too is motivated, and also too that fans and the media will follow. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, there will be a ton of national, you know, you know uh, media like even like the Kirk Herbstreets, the Reese Davises, you know, you name it, that will follow Florida State specifically just to follow Mackenzie Milton because his story is amazing, yeah, and he's a great player. And so uh, I definitely think it was a smart move in terms of bringing in a great quarterback uh, that he can really throw in for, for his final year and, you know, could definitely do some wonders, at least get to a bowl game for the first time in some time for Florida state and, you know, kind of use that to kind of build the recruiting back up. And uh, so, cause I mean, they have, just like you said, the money, they have the tradition, Mm -hmm. they have the fan base, they have the stadium. So, I mean, they have it all. They, it's just a matter of bringing in the right guy. And, uh, you know, you definitely look back uh, at, you know, the the previous coach who came from Oregon and then previously from USF, and I'm blinking on his Willie name. Willie Taggart? But, uh, yeah, Willie Taggart. Yes, that's right, Willie mm-hmm. Taggart. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you just got to find the right guy. Got to be patient, let, you know, let, yeah. let, him, let us fight the right guy. And so maybe Mike is the guy. But just like you said, we'll see. For sure. Yeah. This is going to be a big season for him if he can pull it off. So, yeah. So, he got number nine. Number nine, I have David Cutcliffe at Duke. Um, you know, Duke's weird because obviously they are, they're never going to be a powerhouse in the ACC in football. Um, but mm-hmm. before Cutcliffe, I mean, they were consistently one win, two wins, three wins max. Um, and he's, I mean, this year and last year were not so great, but before that, the couple of years before that, he, I mean, he had them competing in the coastal. I think they won the coastal one, one year, I forget which year, but, um, 2013. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, at, at Duke also, obviously basketball school, I think he's done pretty well. I mean, you know, I, I have him right in the middle right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like this is actually kind of one guy, because I know when the, when the first rankings came out, they had him like at fourth or fifth, something like that. Yeah. And I know that a lot of fans were like, okay, we're not talking about best head coaches that are also offensive coordinators. Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about head coaches. And cause I mean, yeah, I mean, he has an offensive coordinator. He's one of the best. And he also even worked a, a ton with the Manning brothers, which I'm sure maybe had, a part of the drive for putting him so high as well. But I would even say maybe a lot of fans, including myself, maybe look at him, look at him and think of him as, you know, what 
number nine on the list. Is that yeah, what that would on Michael? Yep. Okay. And at nine, I would. I mean, there's a lot of fans that maybe say, well, maybe that's a little high. I mean, just just because of the fact, just like you said. It, I mean, and again, six of one, half a dozen of another. Either way, uh, he, since 2013, basically where they won the Coastal Division and they had their big year, he hasn't done much since. Yeah. Now, again, there there is a soft spot for me in, in my heart for Cutcliffe because of the fact, just like you said. Duke has never gotten and will never get the backing from the athletics yeah. <laughs> or from the fans for football. So it's like you're doing the best with yeah. what you got, you know. I mean, you, you know, you're 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 trying to at least compete against Carolina every year, which is a big thing for Duke. But it's just like, you know, what do you expect? You know, if you're not investing the big bucks, then you're not going to get big results. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And so and, and that's kind of Something that that even I think Dorn really had to come in for football and really had to push is you know then day we got to invest in facilities we got to invest in, in uniforms we got to invest in upgrades to to get the big recruits to get you know the more support like that's how, that's how it works and I just don't see Duke ever yeah. ever doing that so so that that's kind of my pushback is, is I think as a coach if he was in a different situation maybe a different school he would maybe have a different storyline but yeah I definitely being that we were recording this after week one and he just lost at UNC Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Oh, I tough. mean that, I mean, poor guy. I mean, that's what I'm saying is it's not like a get him out of here kind of thing. Cause again, he's doing the best. Know, it's, it's like and he, I feel like anyone's doing the do best he can. Do. Yeah. Right. In a football program, yeah. it's just like, you know, we're, we're, we're not talking about Steve Spurrier here. Mm-hmm. You know? We're talking about, you know, a, 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 you know, a great offensive coach that came in and, and it's doing the best of what he's got. I mean, hey, he gave them some some bright times with Daniel Jones, and you know, even back when they had Jameson Crowder as well. Yeah. Which I mean, I had to kind of remind myself that he used to play for Duke. I'm like, yeah, that's right, he played for Duke. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I I would definitely agree that I think your nine spot, nine or ten spot, would be kind of where I would put him as well. But with a heavy heart, because I, I just unfortunately just don't see him being around for too too much longer. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. I'm cheering for him. <laughs> so, so, uh, so now jump into number eight. Who do you got? Eight. I have Bronco Mendenhall. We talked about him when we were talking about wow. Fuente. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, he's another one like Norvell. Definitely trending up on the list. Um, he's mm-hmm. got uh, Virginia, and with building a decent team and program there. Like we said, they beat Virginia Tech for the first time in however many years it was. Um, yeah. I forget who they played this week, but they absolutely destroyed him. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he uh, definitely has the opportunity to move up quickly on this list as well. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he's, he's somebody who, you know, and again, yeah, they, who knows? I don't even remember who they played either, but yeah, it was a Joe Schmo. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's somebody that, again, I think that is finally bringing some excitement and a definition to the Virginia football program that they've been looking for. Cause I even remember back, I think it was maybe back in the early 2010s that they had actually gotten two big recruits at the same time were both five stars. One was a defensive tackle, if I'm not mistaken, one was a safety. And they were basically just two local guys that said, hey, let's go to Virginia together and let's change the program. And even they weren't able to really do much, uh, definitely not beat Virginia Tech, and which is a big step for them. And so for Bronco Mendenhall to come in so quickly and to bring his put his guys in and to pull off a huge 
definitely check mark for the Virginia fan base and, and beating Virginia Tech, even at Virginia as well. And even too after this, still being competitive with, with Virginia Tech on a year to year basis. It's not like he had a one year one year wonder and that's it. Like, yeah. You know, he's been competitive with Virginia Tech since, which is huge, which is great for the fan base. That's all they really want. They're they, I mean, let's let's be real. They're they're not looking for ACC titles because they love their they love their their basketball program, yeah, which same. you know definitely is one of the best. But yeah, I mean he. Uh, um, you know, has done a great job so far, especially coming from a school like BYU. Uh, you know, definitely, you know, hats off to him. But because uh, I think they actually in the previous list had Bronco ranked higher than Doran, which that was, I think, a huge red flag for myself and a lot of state fans in terms of saying, I mean, I just I, I feel like Bronco had a great quarterback that, that came in. That was a dual threat. Oh, yeah. And I just don't really know if you could necessarily say from his few years of Virginia that he's a great coach because I think you need to see him going through multiple sets of personnel, multiple sets of quarterbacks to make sure it's not just a Chuck Amato, Philip Rivers, not hitting on Chuck Amato whatsoever, (laughs) but just saying that, I mean, his brightest years by far were when Philip Rivers was there. Yeah. And so same thing, you know, you don't want to make sure that just like with Dino Babers, that it's not just that his brightest years are from one quarterback. It's from, it's period, which it definitely seems like it is. So yeah. we'll definitely see. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely happy with that. So thank you all so much again for tuning in. So that's our eight through fourteen. So uh, so we got number eight. So go through go through the Michael eight eight through fourteen. Uh, so eight was Bronco Mendenhall. Nine David Cutcliffe. Ten Mike Norvell. Eleven Justin Fuente. Twelve Scott Satterfield. Thirteen Dino Babers. Fourteen Jeff Collins. Yep. So make sure to tune in on Thursday as we uh, uh, unveil our, our number one through number seven and, and continue this discussion. Thank you all so much. And as always, go Pack.